Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, this evening, uh, I want to uh, go back to Proverbs. We were just there. Uh, Go back with me to Proverbs, and I want to uh, talk to you about something that um, the Lord has kind of taken me back to. It's a a message that I studied in depth about seven years ago uh, concerning receiving information from God, wisdom, revelation, knowledge, how to walk in that spiritual understanding, how to move out of just natural um, information and move into a spiritual supply and a spiritual information. So uh, when I wrote the book, Finding God's Answers, it was a result of a lot of that study. Um, but the, God, the, the, um, the Lord has been moving me back over into that area because of the importance for us to be accurate in our lifestyle, in our living, in our choices, in our decisions. It's, it's vital that we, we respond correctly, that we guard our hearts. It's vital that we have clear um, information for our decision-making. Uh, I, I sense and... and Everybody who I've ever heard who walks with God in any way says we're in the last of the last days. Would you agree with that? Would you agree we're in the last hours of the last of the last of the last days? Well, in that case, we don't have a lot of time for do-overs. We don't have a lot of time for making mistakes and errors. And praise God, He is able to get us back on track uh, speedily. But it's a lot easier if we make the right decisions the first time. And if they're spiritual decisions, if we're learning how to walk in the light of the Word and walk by the Spirit, we're going to make the spiritual decision and we're going to hear from God and He'll be able to warn us if we need to be warned of something. He'll be able to direct us away from danger if we need to be directed away from it. And a lot of that is included in the... um, teachings that pastor and I both have done about being led by the spirit of God and and we will touch on that in a sense but what I want us to talk about tonight is how to rely on the realm of answers how to rely on the realm of answers because if a person becomes distracted with details and information that the enemy is trying to Uh, put into their equation, they might come up with the wrong answer. You know, if uh, let's use the equation, for example. If the teacher wants to know how much fruit is on the table and the, the the, the details of the equation are there are three bananas and four apples and two pears and, and three coffee cups, we don't want to know about the coffee cups. We want to know about the fruit. Tell me, let's, let's add up the fruit. How many, how many apples? How many pears? How many bananas? 
I, I don't need to add the coffee. Yeah, but you need to put the coffee cups in the equation. No, no, no. I don't need to put the coffee cups in the equation. That's not part of what I'm trying to come to a solution of. Um, my question was what fruit is on the table. I need to count the bananas. I need to count the pears. I need to count the apples, whatever other fruit. But I don't need to count the other information that is not necessary for my answer. There are things that the enemy will put into a person's information, in their mind, in their ears, trying to get their attention over on something that's not a part of the answer. And so I don't want to pull it in and try to add it into. So let's take, for instance, a, a, um, a healing equation, a healing equation. If, if we are wanting to come to the right, to the truth of the healing equation, do we need to add the symptoms into our equation? Would that be something I need to add in? Well, by his stripes, I was healed. The Lord heals, healeth me. He is the Lord who heals me. Uh, he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. He has surely carried my pains and bore my, my sicknesses. Uh, but I need to add in how my body feels. I don't need to add in my symptoms to come up with the right answer. As a matter of fact, if I add in the symptoms, it's going to get my equation off. It's going to mess up the outcome. And cause me to have the wrong answer that's going to be, going to be marked with the red marker. <laughs> I don't want to come up with the wrong answer. So I want to make sure I know what information needs to be added to my equation. Glory to God. So that's why we want to learn to rely on the realm of answers. Proverbs 3. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. Proverbs 3:19 The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth by understanding has he established the heavens by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew We see wisdom and understanding and knowledge identified for us as instruments that God has used used to Settle and establish and found. It says by wisdom, Proverbs 3.19, by wisdom he's founded the earth. Founded is talking about establishing. Uh, uh, it is very stable. It is, it is uh, settled. By wisdom he did that. It says concerning understanding that he established the heavens. So we see wisdom, understanding, and then by knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew, which means all of the intricate, detailed workings of creation through the knowledge of God. And isn't it great that he's given us knowledge? Isn't it great that we have been giving, given knowledge in Christ? It's great that he has given us his wisdom, his understanding. Look at Proverbs 4.1. It says... Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. So for me to know understanding, what is necessary? My attention. My attention. To know understanding, attend. 
attend to no understanding. Verse 20 of the same chapter, Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Now, if you read through Proverbs 4, it's a lot of it is wisdom talking, where it says, I, wisdom. It's talking about, it refers to wisdom as being the person talking. So when it says, attend to my words, it would not be incorrect for us to say, attend to wisdom's words. Attend to God's words. Attend to wisdom's words. Amen? Attend to them. How do I, how do I access the power in them, the wisdom, the ability in them? My attention is necessary. It says in chapter 5 and verse 1, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow your ear to my understanding. Attend. Bow your ear to my understanding. When uh, the previous verse that we just used from Proverbs 4, and I use it quite often because it is a key to uh, spiritual fullness. Attend to my words, incline your ear to hear, don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So his, the, the scriptural definition of how to give attention is going to require the eyes and the ears. And the result of the eyes and the ears giving attention is going to produce a fullness of the heart. If I'm keeping it in my eyes and I'm keeping it in my ears, eventually my heart will reach a state of fullness. Attend. And then he says, guard. So how do I guard? I guard it with my attention. If I, if I guard means to, con, to, to hold in manifestation, to hold in possession. It's, it's maintaining an orderly condition. Protect and preserve. Well, if the attention is necessary for my heart to get full. And then he says for me to guard it. The way I, what I've got to guard is going to include what's coming in my eyes. And what's coming into my ears because that's what's going to get in the heart. So yes, I need to give my utmost priority to putting my eyes and my ears on the word. At the same time, I've got to give priority to keeping my eyes and my ears off of things that are going to contradict the word. Things that are going to violate what the Word of God says. Things that are going to, sh to put the Word of God in a questionable light. Reasoning. Things that, that come up that say, well, I know the Word said, but. I, I don't want to even entertain things that are going to make me question the Word. That are going to make me say, well, maybe God didn't. Maybe God was wrong about that, or maybe God's not doing that today. When I come to the Word of God with a respect for the Word, that this is God's Word. This is not man's Word in a book about God. This is God's Word. It's set apart. It's holy. It's sanctified. That means I give it a set apart attention. I give it a set apart respect. I give it a respect I don't give to other things. I read it differently. I listen to it differently. I set it down and I, I, I set it down differently. I, I mean, I know this is the, 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 the leather and the pages, but I, I don't just toss it. I just don't, don't let 
water gets spilled all over it. I, 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 why? Because it's, it's it feeding me something that is spiritual and supernatural and eternal and life-giving. And, and I want to have it set apart in my way of, of respect and the way I treat it. And so uh, the attention that we give is, is that twofold. I'm learning to be very uh, diligent about keeping it in my eyes and ears and at the same time diligent about guarding anything contrary to the word from having my eyes or having access to my ears. Hallelujah. If attention is the key to getting wisdom, if attention is the key to getting understanding, if attention is the key to accessing knowledge, then it's also the key to accessing the wrong information. So there are a lot of things that want people's attention today. The news wants the attention. The commercials want the attention. They will pay huge, huge, huge amounts of money to get 30 seconds during the Super Bowl because they know if I get their attention for 30 seconds, I've planted a seed that's going to get in their heart. The commercial industry knows the power of the attention. And that's why they keep them short, and that's why they're always trying to find the shock value and find something that's going to be entertaining and something that's going to stick in your mind. The little jingles and the little uh, uh, sayings that, that get the musical notes that people just get used to hearing, the, and then they become a part of their life, and, and they know if I've got their attention, I've got their money. Right. If I've got their attention, I've got their, they're going to be purchasing from my company. Well... God created our attention for his good and for our good. For us to give our attention to his word and receive his wisdom, to access his knowledge and his understanding. So we've got to learn then to be um, wise in how we guard our attention. So we're relying on the realm of answers. I don't want to give my attention to things that are going to cloud the answers. I don't want to give my attention to unanswered questions. Uh, there are a lot of uh, New Testament warnings about not getting into uh, big arguments with people about, uh, about things that aren't important, about differences that you may have with somebody, about wives' tales, about fables, or, you know, is it right to, do you baptize in the name, or do you baptize in this, or how do you baptize, how do you this, let's talk, do we believe in the blood, let's talk about the blood, let's not argue about things that are disagreeable, but let's find a place with fellow believers that we can uh, uh, walk in the light, Amen. amen? So the word attend means the act or state of applying the mind to something. The act or state of applying the mind to something. Focus the consciousness to produce clarity. To focus the consciousness to produce clarity. Now, many of you have heard me use the example before, but it bears repeating because it is um, a personal example that taught me the importance of attention. When I was in junior high school and I attended my first pre-algebra class, I did not pay attention. 
because I really, I moved a lot when I was a kid. And so I, I, I guess I happened to move during the times that they all were learning their multiplication tables. I never mastered my multiplication tables until I was older. And so in seventh grade, when they started pre-algebra, I was still counting on my fingers to try to figure out what seven times eight was. You know, I was counting it out. Uh, you know, seven, I was trying to count it eight times. And, and so they were answering the questions and moving on and un trying to figure out how A plus B equals a number. And uh, I was, I, I finally came to the point that I lost interest and I, I felt like I was so far out from where they were. <laughs> I was so far behind from where they were that I just didn't pay attention. And therefore, I didn't understand anything. There was no understanding. I, I didn't give any extra diligence to it. I didn't. I was. I was more embarrassed and and too embarrassed to ask for a lot of help. And so I just, you know, pretty much failed the class. I think I barely made it with like a D minus or something. But uh, have mercy. You know, I I didn't give attention. Well, when my children got into high school and had to do algebra, and they came home and threw the book down on the kitchen table and said, Mom, I'm failing algebra. I can't figure this out. I said, give me the book. Give me the book. And I read the instructions, and I would go back and look at their examples, and I was trying to figure out what happened, and I figured it out. Now, I didn't figure it out for the whole year, but I figured out a couple of lessons just to help them, you know, get some answers there. I was shocked. What was the difference? My attention? What I was willing to give my attention to? What I was, my, my focusing on it until it produced a clarity? My applying the mind to it? Giving my mind to it? So I'm going to understand this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I've got to know this. And, and if I have to back up here and read the previous two lessons, if I have to look through the examples and try to figure out what they did to get this, if I have to Google it and figure out an, an extra step I might be missing, I'm going to apply my mind till I understand. We have to bring that kind of hunger to the Word of God. We have to come to the principles of God. We have to come to the ways of God and the teachings of, of, of the Lord and say, I want to understand the way you see it. I want to, I want to, I want to see from your perspective. I want to learn what you need me to learn. I don't want to go to kindergarten when I hit heaven. I want to be, I want to give me, I want to be in the, a, the, the advanced class, right? <laughs> AP. <laughs> AP forgiveness. I don't want to be stuck back in, in beginner's uh, forgiveness classes. So I'm going to understand how to walk in forgiveness. I want to understand how to walk in love. I want to understand walking in the Spirit. And so coming to the things of God with that determination, I'm going to get this. I'm going to understand. And part of it is learning how to keep your attention span. Because uh, when I first got saved, I was sitting in church and, you know, I had not been in a church environment really ever. I attended church a little bit with my, with my grandparents, and, uh, but not 
to really be in a church environment to pay attention. And, and I found that about 10 minutes, 12 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes in, I began to just drift away and think about my grocery list or something. You know, oh, I got to stop on the way home and pick up some milk. You know, I gotta, I had, uh, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And it really came to um, the, the attention of everyone else when uh, the pastor said something and I amened in the wrong place. I should not have been amening at what he said. But I, you know, I, that was, I was used to amen. Amen. And, and everybody turned and looked like, what? Why are you agreeing with that? Why are you amening that? That was not a good point. It was something that should not have gotten a hallelujah, you know. <laughs> and so I, I looked around. I'm like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. And I had just come back into the conversation and missed the whole moment, right? So I had to learn how to keep my attention. I had to learn how to give my attention to the Word and uh, sit up and take notes and, and, and focus. And, and, I, and it makes a difference if you're reading it as the pastor's reading it. It makes a difference if you're, if you're noting something and saying, you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to take the notes of this and you can come back and look at it later. And I'll tell you, pastor, pastor will say, do you know so-and-so just doesn't even bring their Bible to church? <laughs> I'm just going to let y'all know. And you might think, well, I'm depending on, on what's going to be on the screen. Don't depend on what's on the screen because you want to be able to know what it looks like in your Bible. Right. It's on the screen as, as, a, as a help, but especially for when we're searching different versions. But bring your own Bible own that Bible, know how to flip the pages, know how to find, I mean, I had to learn how to find out where all the, the different books of the Bible were. I didn't know how to, he's, I had to look to my concordance or my uh, uh, table of contents to figure out I didn't know where any of the books of the Bible are. Amen. And so this part of coming to church, we're learning how to give our attention. We're learning how to learn. You're, we're not here just to, it's, this is not a spectator sport. <laughs> we're not spectators. As we're sitting in the congregation, we're feeding, we're learning, we're receiving, and we want to receive in a way that we can pull it back up tomorrow. Find it. Where was that scripture? I know he talked about that scripture. Where was it? There it is right there in my notes. Amen. And it helps you also to keep your attention on, on what the Lord is saying. Now I want to show you something from 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly. The Spirit of God speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Have mercy. Have mercy. I mean, for what faith has done for us, wouldn't it just, uh, your heart just go out to someone who could depart from this, the faith in Jesus Christ? It's talking about faith in Christ. Some shall depart from the faith. The Spirit speaks expressly, very clearly, very specifically, that some shall depart from the faith. Why? 
Why would they depart? What caused them to depart? How did the enemy move them away from what they once believed? It says they gave heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Their attention was the key. What they had their attention on. Because the enemy can't just move people. The devil doesn't have power just to come and say, okay, tomorrow when you get up, you're not serving God anymore. He can't do that. It has to be a deception. It has to be a person's choice. But for them to get to that place, there has to be the wrong information that causes them to make a choice. Remember the equation. I don't want to come up with the wrong equation because I'm adding things in that aren't supposed to be added into the equation. If I'm supposed to be determining the amount of fruit on the table, I want to count the apples, I want to count the pears, I want to count the bananas, but I don't want to count the forks, the knives, or the coffee cups because they are not a part of my equation. So if the enemy gets a person to add things into their attention... Focusing on worry, focusing on fear, focusing on despair, focusing on, on what if it, what if this happens and what if that happens. And, and most of the things people worry about never happen. But what does happen is they have given their attention over to something that has depleted their joy and robbed their peace and brought them into a place where they are spiritually weaker than they were before they started worrying, all because they gave their attention to something that had not happened and there was no evidence it was going to happen. Do you see how important our attention is? If I give my attention to wrong details, if I give my attention, they're, they're, they're... If you go to eat something... Most things that you buy at the store, you can find an explanation of what's in Mm -hmm. this can. And and you know that the first thing listed is the one that has, that's the, the most predominant ingredient. So if salt or oil is one of the first three ingredients, you probably don't want what's in that can, right? Right? If, if sugar or, or cane syrup or something like that's one of the first ingredients, you probably don't want what's in that can. Well, we've learned how to read that can. We've learned how to, to estimate, you know, how many grams of sugar is in each serving because that information is there. But there's a lot on your television screen. There's no disclaimer of how much doubt and fear and unbelief and surmising is in that information you're about to hear. So you've got to take the determ- you've got to take a, um, a I don't want to use the word extreme, but it seems extreme to some people to just determine, I don't need to watch that. And some people will say, what do you mean you don't watch the news? How are you ever going to know what's going on? Listen, it gets to me anyway. I don't have to subject myself to all of the fear and the other content for me to get the details. Amen? 
And I'm not just talking about the news. I'm talking about anything that's going to come in and, and cloud up the light, darken the light, try to take you over into a place of deception, try to take you over into a place of fear or worry, try to take you over into a place of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. So the attention that they gave, it says they gave heed. They gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, that didn't happen immediately. It happened after they continually, it continually gave heed to the wrong thing. So we want to recognize that light, for us to have light and more light, we've got to give our attention to light. Look at Matthew 6. Jesus was talking about worry and asking the wrong questions. He was warning his disciples about entertaining the wrong information and he said in let's begin in verse 22 the light of the body is the eye if therefore your eye be single this word single in the original language means healthy if, it, if your eye be single or healthy, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil... Now, this is one of those verses that people just automatically think we're talking about the saved and the unsaved. But he's talking about the perception. You know, when we read Matthew 12 and he says, Out of the good treasure, a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Amen. He's not talking about the saved and the unsaved. He's talking about the contents of the heart. And, and there are, are people who love Jesus, who have received Him as Lord, but they have been meditating on the problem, meditating on the, the questions, meditating on the worry until their heart is full of worry, and that's all they can pull out. They can't bring anything else out of the heart because the abundance of their heart is worry. So they can't bring any faith declaration out. They can't call the end from the beginning because they're going to open their mouth and say, it's getting worse. Every time I try, I just keep too much month at the end of my money. I just keep struggling and I can't make it. And they, and they think, why? And they didn't mean to say it. Hey, listen, I have said things I didn't mean. I, I, I opened up my mouth and said, said something and, and thought, Lord, I didn't know that was in me. I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about a, 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 a frustration about something, a worry about something. I didn't know that was in me. I'd been dealing with something with one of my kids a few years back. And, and when it came up out of my mouth, I thought, I need to go back to the Word. I just need to go back to the Word. I've been, been trying to fix her problem in my head. I've been trying to help her make the right decision with my natural understanding. I need to go back to the Word because I'm not going to help her if I don't have something spiritual to give. So this scripture also is not necessarily talking about the saved and the unsaved. It says, if the perception, the eye 
is single, the whole body shall be full of light. So single, meaning healthy, if the eye is single, then the whole body is going to be full of light. So a healthy perception does not look at the Word of God one day and the symptom the next. That would be double perception, wouldn't it? That would not be a healthy perception. So Peter was looking at the Word, come, Jesus. He said, Jesus, if, it you, if it's you, bid me to come. And he stepped out and he had his eyes on Jesus. But then he said he looked at the wind and the waves. He got his eyes over when he saw. So see his perception, his eye is no longer single, is no longer healthy. He's looking at something that shouldn't be added to his equation. The wind had nothing to do with his ability to walk on the water. It was blowing at full force when he stepped out. The waves had nothing to do with his ability to walk on the water. They were tossing the boat and, and, and blowing up over the boat when he stepped out. They have nothing to do with my ability. Why did he start adding them in? When he saw the wind and the waves, he became afraid. He began to fear. So do you see, he added something in to his outcome that didn't need to be added into the outcome. We've got to learn how to rely on the realm of the answer. God's word is my answer, and I'm going to keep my focus on the word of God. I'm going to keep my focus on what God said. Well, I know, I know, I know, but, but what really? Somebody came to pastor during that same time that I was speaking of with one of our children and said, uh, and the Lord had told pastor specifically when you get, because we were both frustrated <laughs> and we were both put out and, and concerned. It was, it was some, some near death experiences. It was, it was concerning. And he, the Lord told him, whenever you think about it, I want you to say, my, my child is following the plan of God for her life. And so we were in, you know, an interaction with some of the other family, and they said, you know, how is, how is she doing? And pastor, in obedience to what God told him, he said, she's following the plan of God for her life. And they said, well, I know, I know what you, you mean, but how is she really? You don't, now listen, I'm trying to give my focus to the answer. Right. I'm, my focus on the answer. And for me to continually, there's no, listen, it did not help to repeat, to continually reestablish the problem by repeating it and discussing it. Yep. You know, if someone comes to you and they say, Oh, brother, would you pray for me about this situation? Oh, I'm believing God for this. Pray with me about this situation. And you say, yes, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to agree with you. And then you see them walk over and they come to Sister Pat and they say, Oh, Sister Pat, pray with me about this situation. It's so bad. And then they get done with her and then they go to Sister Mary. And then they're going to go back here to Sister Travis. And then they're going back here to Sister Mary. They're calling around and telling everybody, Well, listen you know they haven't established a point of contact with faith that they have believed they received when they prayed or they would not have repeated it right. to everybody with the guise of get you to pray with me about this. If it, it, is, it is biblical for you to go to someone in agreement but not for you to repeat the details of the situation to anybody who will listen with hopes that the more people I get praying, the better off it's going to be. 
Because what's going to happen is the more that person hears themselves talking the problem and talking the problem and repeating the problem and trying to convey to you how serious it is for you to pray for me because it is dire, it is bad, it is bad. They're building their faith in that problem to be established in their life. And the, the answer is, brother, I'd like to ask you to agree with me in prayer based on Matthew chapter and, and quote the verse, what they're standing on. Because what we can stand on is the answer. It's not going to be a prayer of agreement if we're agreeing about the problem and the details of the problem. It's not going to help me if you just pray all of my details of the problem. What's going to help is that we come into agreement about the answer. So start with the answer. Somebody asked um, a woman who used to travel with Amy Simple McPherson and uh, was uh, involved in her ministry and uh, some of the prayer meetings that she had there at Angelus Temple. And uh, Pastor Nancy Dufresne actually asked her this question. She said, um, what do you see different about prayer meetings and the way that people pray? And she said, this is what I see different. When we went to prayer, we went with the answer. It didn't take us a whole long because we just we went with the answer to God and started praying the answer. And, and we went in and claimed the answer and got the answer in the, in the presence of God. That's why we've got to guard that answer. When we find the answer, then I don't want to give all of my attention to the details of the situation and the circumstance, I want to give my attention to the answer. I want to focus on the answer because what I magnify is what's going to have its activity in my life. If I'm magnifying what God said, His, act, His word is going to be at work. But if I'm magnifying what the symptoms are doing, what have I got my, my, my focus on? If I'm magnifying the, the details that they're putting on the news, if I'm magnifying whatever the case may be, whether it's a financial situation, a family situation, a personal situation, the, the national situation, if I'm giving my focus to the problem, then I'm not going to arrive at the correct solution. I need to give my focus to the answer. Hallelujah. With this instruction Jesus said the light of the body is the eye the light of the body is the eye if your eye be single your whole body shall be full of light if you've got your focus on the answer you're going to see clearly but if you're focusing on the answer and focusing on all of these other details and problems and issues then you're muddying the water if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? So the perception, he says you can have, you can have a focus on the light. You can have a focus that causes clarity. You can have a focus that causes you to see God at work in the situation. Or a person could have clouded perception, which is going to eventually lead them to being deceived, deception. 
Notice how deception and perception are both indicating what I'm giving my attention to. My perception being full of light is because I've got my eye focused correctly. If I'm not seeing it clearly, I need to give more attention to the Word. If I'm not seeing it clearly, there might be something I need to take off the equation, take the eraser and erase that out and say, I don't need to focus on that part of it. I don't need to focus on what they said. I don't need to focus on, on those statistics. I don't need to focus on that report. I'm not talking about ignoring doctor's reports and saying it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. I'm not talking about ignoring symptoms and saying, I don't have that, I don't have that. That's not faith. Faith doesn't deny the situation. Faith goes with the answer and confronts the situation and changes the situation by putting the word on it. So if the answer, if, if you know the answer from the word... And you can take it to that problem and start applying it like you would apply medicine or like uh, 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 confronting it like you would uh, take the hammer to a rock and break it down until you can move it. If you can't move that big rock, break it down to smaller pieces so you can move it. And God said, my word is like a hammer that breaks into tiny pieces. The most stubborn rock of resistance, the Amplified says. Amen? So our attention... Our attention. Mark 4. My goodness, where did my time go? I'm just getting going here. We just laid the groundwork. Mark 4. I want to look at verse 11. Jesus had just given the parable of the sower. And his disciples come to him and they said to him, they're asking him why, uh, asking him what the parable means. And verse 11, he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Well, if Jesus would say that to these disciples before he shed his blood, before the new birth was available, before the, the being made alive in Christ was, was possible, he said to them, it is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. How much more for you and I who are blood washed and blood bought and alive unto God, spiritually alive with the life of God himself, how much more is it given unto us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We need to establish that truth. It's given to me to know the mystery. There's not anything that is a mystery that God isn't willing to reveal it to me. Things concerning the working of the kingdom. Amen? It is given to us to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Knowing is the key. What I know I can put to practice. What I know I can uh, be effective in. He said it is the lack of knowledge that caused people to perish. He said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But you and I, we 
It is given, we know, it is given to us to know. It is given, already given. It's not something I have to wait for him to give me. It is already given to me to know. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Jesus has made unto me wisdom. He's made unto me wisdom. I've got Jesus. I've got the wisdom of God. Amen. So it is given to us to know. And then he said, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. They were questioning why he was using the parable. He said, to them it is given, to you it is given to know, to them it's done in parables, verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So he's quoting from the book of Isaiah, I believe is uh, where the original uh, uh, quote is that he's using. Seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sin should be forgiven them. I wonder if Matthew's, if I like Matthew's better, Matthew 13, let me look here. Matthew 13, 13, therefore speak to, speak I to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. So seeing and hearing precedes understanding. And the reason he was speaking to them in parables was because they were seeing but not seeing and hearing but not hearing. And because of that, they didn't understand. Now, if you first look at that, you'll think, well, he was just trying to trick them then. He was just trying to hide it from them. He wasn't hiding it from them. He was hiding it for them. He was hiding it for them, seeing they didn't see. And why? Because they were blinded. They, they didn't have a single focus. They didn't have the, the baseline understanding of the kingdom and who he was for them to be able to understand. So he wasn't hiding it from them. He was putting it in a way that would stick in their minds so that when light came, they could go, oh. Now I know what he meant when he said that parable story about the sower sowing the word. That's what he was talking about. Make it have a V8 moment. I could have had a V8. It, was, it would be hidden in a story that would stay in their mind. That would still be there so that when they got a little bit of understanding, when light would come, he could take them to it and unlock that story and they could understand. So he wasn't hiding it from, he was hiding it for. And that's what he said to us about the mysteries. That none of the kingdom of God mysteries are hidden from us. They are hidden for us. The enemy, the Bible says the princes of this world, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 2 says, the princes of this world, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They, could, they didn't know. They did not know if they had known. But they didn't know. Amen. 
But God was talking it from the beginning. In Genesis, he began talking. Jesus being the redeemer, the seed of the woman's going to crush your head. He all throughout the Old Testament, he said it. But the enemy never got it. Why? Because seeing, he was see, not seeing. And hearing, he wasn't hearing. He was trying to kill all the babies in Egypt, throw them in the Nile. He was trying to kill all the babies in, in uh, 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 Nazareth. Why? Because seeing, he wasn't seeing. It was cloudy for him. It wasn't light. He wasn't, there wasn't any light for him because it was, it was hidden for us, but hidden from him. Revelation knowledge is still hidden from him. Amen. He still can't understand. He can hear, he can hear you quote the word and he won't get what you get. Amen. He won't understand what you're understanding. Amen. He can he can hear the same sermon you heard, but he won't get what you got. Because you got light. You got light and understanding that came from it. Why? Because your spirit is it's given to you to know. Your spirit is alive unto God. You can know it. You know, the reason Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, understood something that, that people who had been studying the Bible were amazed, the studying the Scriptures, they were amazed that this 12-year-old has such wisdom and he's in here expounding the Word of God. Jesus was alive. His spirit was alive. He could, as a, a man, a young 12-year-old boy alive unto God, he was alive from the moment he was conceived in his mother's womb. He came into this world alive unto God. And when he opened up the scriptures, he said, that's talking about me. He began to, the light was coming. It was, it was clear to him. It was clear to him when Isaiah said, you have given me the tongue of the learned. I set my face like a flint. You, I shall not be uh, uh, dismayed. He knew that it was speaking to him. It came alive to him. It was light. He could know things. We can know clearly what God is leading us to do. We can know clearly what God is speaking to our hearts. We can know clearly what His Word means. Why? Because we're alive unto God. And it's given to us to know. Go back with me to Mark. And he says, verse 13, Know ye not this parable... And how then will you know all parables? Two times he uses the word know. I want you to know it. Mm-hmm. Know, know ye not this parable? How then will you know? Why? Because in this parable are keys that are going to unlock the other parables for you. How will you know any of the other parables until you know this one? The parable of the sower should never get old to us. We should never read it like we already know it. We might know the the paradigms of it. We might know the the outline of it in our head. But I'm not talking about head knowing. I'm not talking about what you mentally, mental information that you have stored in your mind. That's not what knowing is. I'm talking about knowing with the heart, the spirit of man. I'm talking about your spirit being, knowing. 
And when you are walking in knowledge, you're getting something more than just head-kept information, head-stored information. It's, it's knowing. It's, it's light. It's clarity. It's perception. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you understand things. It changes the way you can apply things. The better a child knows their alphabet, the better we can teach them to read. The more, the more adept they are at quickly recognizing the sounds of the phonics, the sounds of the vowels and the consonants, the quicker they are at that, the quicker we can teach them to read. So the more they know, the more they can know. The more knowledge they have, the more knowledge I can give them. What kept me from pre-algebra was my lack of multiplication tables. I did not know my multiplication as well as I needed to. And when they were all doing all of the equations inside the parentheses, I was counting on my fingers because I did not know what I needed. And therefore, it was hard to teach me the next level because I had missed the last level. What you know is going to affect how you can know something else he needs to teach you, something else he needs to show you. Let's bring it into walking with God. If you know real peace, you'll be able to identify if God is trying to warn you against something. All right. if, you're not, if you're not adept at recognizing the peace of God, let's say a person, not you, somebody else. If, if, let's say a person has a chaotic life and they've got all kinds of noise. From the moment they get up in the morning, noise, 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 noise. They've got noise in the car. They've got noise while they're fixing their hair, noise while they're eating breakfast. They've got all kinds of drama going on, all kinds of, of, of just life on fast forward all the time. That person is going to have a more difficult time hearing God try to direct them or, or warn them or, or lead them away from danger. Why? Because they're, it's so noisy, they can't recognize peace. Their, their life is so chaotic, they don't know when peace comes. If, if they think peace just means when my life slows down or when, when the kids go to bed or peace is just when it's, you know, just, you know, nothing dramacidal going on in the life. Well, peace is a flow of the spirit of the kingdom. It's a flow of God. Peace is a force of the spirit. Peace, peace, peace can pass all understanding, which Amen. means you can have peace when all of those things are going on if you're getting it here and not looking for just peace in the circumstance. Right. 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 I want peace in the heart. Well, if you don't know peace, how are you going to know that peace acts like an umpire? Some people will say, well... They're, they're trying to make a decision. Let's use an example where we're talking about the leading of the Lord to make a decision. Peace is supposed to be the tool that we rely on when a decision needs to be made. And we're talking about the spiritual peace, not talking about the head, not talking about the emotions. If a person isn't 
familiar with what that piece is like, they're going to say, well, I'm going to make the decision that takes the pressure off of me, and that'll give me peace. Not always. Sometimes you can get the pressure off for the moment and not have peace. So do you see, the more I know, the more I can know. The more I know about the principles of God, the leadings of God, the, the word of God, the more I can know. Now, let's look at this in, in the light. So we're, we're, he's talking about the parable of the sower. He goes through in the next few verses and explains the parable of the sower to them. And then he is still talking about understanding and knowing when we read verse 21. And, and, and the whole parable of the sower is about hearing the word and bringing the word to fruition. There were those who heard the word and they didn't maintain it in their life. The wayside soil, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and then there was the good ground that brought forth. All of them heard. Only one ground produced. And then he, he says... Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? Well, a candle is the form of light. They weren't candles to make your room smell good. They were candles like we have light bulbs in the, sky, in, in the ceiling today. So would we say, would, would it be weird to you if you walked in a room and all the light fixtures were under the chairs? Nobody would put the light fixture under the chairs. Nobody's going to put the lamp underneath the couch. We put the lamp up and put the light fixtures up. We put the lights up so that they can cast light on everything we need to see. He's talking about revelation. He's talking about understanding. He's talking about the word. He said, is the candle supposed to be put underneath the bushel? Is it supposed to be put underneath the basket? No, we want to put the, the light up. He said, uh, uh, is it, is it, isn't it supposed to be set on a candlestick up in a place where it can illuminate the room so you can see everything? For there is nothing hidden which shall not be manifested. Nothing hidden which shall not be brought out into a place where you can know it. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. Heed. There's our attention again. Take heed. Give attention. What did he say in Proverbs? Attend to my wisdom. If you want to know it, you've got to attend to it. To get wisdom, you've got to attend. Attend to my words, he said in another place. Attend to no understanding, Proverbs 4, 1 said. So the attention, he says here, take heed what you hear. Give your attention to what you're listening to. Give your attention. Now, what was the whole parable of the sower, identifying, hearing. They all heard, but not all heard in a way that brought forth productivity, a harvest. 
Take heed what you hear with what measure you measure. It will be measured to you. The Amplified says, with the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will determine the amount of understanding that you... Can you, can you switch me over to the Amplified for that? Because I'm trying to do it, but I don't have it written down in my notes. Take heed what you hear with the measure you measure. So whose responsibility is the measuring on? Is it, is it up to God how much I get? How much I understand? He said, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue. That means power. Power. Remember the Mark 5 woman? She said, uh, Jesus said, power, virtue has come out of me. Power. The power, the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides, why? Because if I get the multiplication tables, I can get the algebra. If I get the, the phonetics, I can learn how to read. If I get what he's teaching me here, I can get what I need to get tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and every day he can lead me on this path of revelation, lead me in his truth. Why? Because the more I know, the more I can't know. But it's not up to God how much I know. God, I'm not waiting on God to deposit some revelation. It's given to me to know, but it's up to me whether I give my thought and attention. The measure of thought and attention. The measure of thought and attention. Carolyn Savell, I think she, was it Carolyn or maybe it was Gloria Copeland. Now when they first started walking with God, they had a hard time getting up in the morning to read her Bible. And so she said, I went and sat on the edge of the, the bathtub because I would fall asleep and I knew if I fell asleep, I'd fall into the bathtub and it'd wake me up and I could, no, that won't, they were serious about getting their Bible read. Serious about getting that Bible read. If you're willing to fall into the tub, that might not be comfortable. I mean, I wonder if she put a pillow in that tub just in case she did fall in, bonk her head, you know. Why determine this Gloria Copeland did tell this testimony, and you probably heard her tell it if you listen to her very often. Uh, you know, in the beginning. Brother Copeland was traveling with Oral Roberts, flying his plane and attending school and and things like that. And she was at home with their two young children. And they had just moved. And she had heard Brother Roberts say, challenging people, encouraging people. I think he may have said, God had me to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts certain amount of times was it three times in a in 30 day period thank you you've heard that I got help thank you uh, in 30 days well that's a lot to read but Miss Gloria said I wanted to take that challenge I thought I'm going to do that and she said I, I I took all the chapters and I divided them and figured up how many chapters I would need to read a day to read all of those three times in 30 days 
So she's going to have to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts in 10 days, three times. So 30 days. And she said, I figured out my schedule. I marked it all down. And she said, I just moved. Both of my children were little in diapers. All of my stuff was in boxes. And I said to my husband, I may not be able to get everything done as quickly as I get it done, all the ironing, all the cooking, all of everything. If you would have mercy on me, I really feel like I should do this. And she said, I, I started out that first day and, and I, I scheduled it out. And she said, Bef- before dinner time, I had read everything. All of the, my work was done for the day. And I thought, how did this happen? As she went on, she said, I was able to get all of my work done, all of my responsibilities, unpacked all of that. She said, I I even re-varnished some furniture, had some furniture projects that she got done. And she said, and I still had time in my day. And she realized I was giving God, I was giving the word time first, and he was lengthening my days. He was lengthening my days. Length of days and long life, those are two different things. Length of days is affected by our walking in the light. You know, light can be measured as the speed of light. Light is moving. Light is movement. Light is not still. Light has never stopped moving since God said, let there be light. Light is moving. If you're walking in the light, you're going to make a faster progress. That's how we get length of days. We walk in the light. When a person gets over into confusion by feeding on wrong information, it's going to slow them down in God's plan. And it's going to slow them down in natural things. They're going to say, how come I never have enough time? You need more light. Light will make you live faster. I mean, light, light will put you over into God's, God's pace. Amen. Hallelujah. I've never said that before. And that did not come from my head anyway. Praise God. Jesus said, with the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear, it's going to be measured back to you in virtue, power, and understanding. And more will be given. For he that has, to him shall be given. He that has understanding, if you have the principles, I can, I can give you a greater foundation on those principles. If someone came to you and said, let's say you, if, to a person who's never played the piano and said, you know, if you will just play uh, the key of, of C and and, and they started talking to you about uh, different uh, uh, keys and rhythms and things. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't even know how to find the key of C on that keyboard. They can't explain it to you. But if you say, you know what, I do remember. I took some piano earlier. I can find C and I can find D. And, and, and you, they, you could, you, they could take you down a little bit of that. Hallelujah. For he that has, to him shall be given, and he that has not, from him shall be taken even that which he has. It's not God taking it. 
The thief comes to steal. He came and he stole the word in the wayside soil. It's not God trying to keep, God's not trying to keep truth from anybody. Anybody who will begin to ask God to show me. God, if you're real, he'll answer that. If they, if they are sincerely looking for, is God real? God will show them. He'll, he'll, it, it, he, will, he will put into their understanding or bring things to them to help them understand. If there is a desire to know God, to know his answers, he will begin to unlock it. But for someone who says, I don't believe that, well, they're not going to get anything out of this book. If they don't believe in God, they're not, they can read every page and not get it. Why? Because they've already moved over to that place where it's so cloudy. Their eye is not healthy. It's not single. There's no light. What they're walking in is not light. Amen? Father, we desire your answers. And we desire to be even more skilled in focusing on your answer. Focusing on what you're saying. Lord, your news is the most important news to us. Your announcements are the most important announcements. Your plans, your directions are the most important. Father, we give you our attention And we ask you to reveal to us, Lord, whatever needs to be removed from the equation, whatever might be causing any confusion in in the outcome we see. We ask you, Father, to bring us clarity in the name of Jesus. Amen. When Abraham, Abram, before God changed his name, said to the Lord, Lord, what, do you, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? That's what he saw, but that was not what God saw. And God had to help Abram change what he saw. He said, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? That's what he saw. Eliezer is going to inherit everything in my house because I am childless. That's what he saw. Was it a fact? Yes. But it wasn't established truth. And there can be things that are facts that are hindering people from seeing the truth. That's why we've got to begin to focus on the truth. We don't ignore facts. But they don't get the same respect that truth gets. Hallelujah. When Peter was in the prison, the Bible says he was asleep when the angel came and woke him up. I personally think he didn't expect to be beheaded. He wasn't acting like a man who expected to be beheaded. Even though the previous disciple had been beheaded. Was it James, the brother of John, that got beheaded? James. Peter wasn't expecting to be beheaded. 
Could it be, could it be that he remembered that Jesus told him when he was old that people would, would help? He, remember what Jesus said to him when he was saying, Lord, what about, what about John? He, Don't worry about John. Let me tell you what's going to happen when you're old, Peter. Peter knew, I'm not going to die beheaded right here. Why? Because Jesus already told me. He knew something that was different than his situation was telling him. Rely on the realm of answers. When the, the Lord said in the last days, when he comes, that they're gonna, it's going to be as the days of Noah, people are going to be marrying, having children, going on with life. So things are going to get back to normal. Because Jesus said when he comes, things are going to be normal. Weddings are going to be taking place. Not quarantined weddings. Weddings are going to be taking place. It's going to get back to normal. So let's walk in the light of the answer. Amen? Give that our focus.